This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. Lee Strobel is a Christian author, a journalist, and a pastor from Arlington Heights, Illinois. And his name is recognized by many Christians, even within the boundaries of the Branham cult. His book, Case for Christ, is one of the books that motivates and rejuvenates the faith of Christians around the globe. In Case for Christ, he describes his journey from atheism to Christianity and declares to the world his reasoning for becoming a Christian. He also describes some of the many reasons that people avoid Christianity based on his own personal experiences. When Strobel started his journey, he was only willing to look at part of the reasoning that had convinced him that there was no God. Of himself, he says this, As far as I was concerned, the case was closed. There was enough proof for me to rest easy with the conclusion that the divinity of Jesus was nothing more than the fanciful invention of superstitious people. Or so I thought. Lee Strobel. But over time, <clears throat> as he continued to investigate the Bible, the evidence became simply overwhelming. And like any person who is seeking their salvation should do, Strobel started with what could not be denied, factual recorded history. What have we learned from history about Jesus Christ, and is it accurate? When I was enslaved in the cult of William Branham, Lee Strobel was a name that I was familiar with. And there was a respectful atmosphere surrounding the evidence found in this book, A Case for Christ. Strobel was a hero for the faith. He was a man who went against all odds to prove that Christ was the Son of God and to stand on absolute truth that Jesus is Lord. And this has always been odd to me. If Strobel went so far as to turn his heart and his mind to Christ, why did he not continue all the way into Branham? How could he have not known that William Branham was the messenger for the hour 
if Branham's ministry was so widespread. I remember those stories of the light that shone through the heavens and the voice of God that spoke through the clouds as William Branham was baptizing the people. And I personally believed it when Branham told me that all of the newspapers ran an article about God speaking. I remember thinking to myself, how blind can people be? Even the newspapers proclaim that Branham was sent. Why does nobody know about this seventh angel messenger? But having read the stories through the historical information that has now surfaced on the Searching for Vindication website, www.searchingforvindication.com, I'm now starting to realize exactly why the name William Branham is so unfamiliar to many in the Christian faith. You see, what we believed was not exactly true. Much of it was not true at all. And after their website landed, after their website launched, Christians from around the world are now starting to leave the Branham cult and they're forming private support groups for those who spent so many years in bondage. I'm active in several of these groups, watching with excitement as each person starts pouring out their hearts and getting back into the real voice of God, the Bible. For me, it's like watching a good boxing match with the underdogs fighting the champion. The champion may have a big fist that knocks the little guy to the ground, and he may stand over him just pounding his face into the ground. While he's on the ground and he's taking each blow, he's not going anywhere. And if he lays there long enough, he's not getting back up. But if that little guy can muster just enough strength to get back in his feet, he's still in the match. And my favorite match is the one when the little guy, the one who everybody is against, overtakes the champion and claims the title. Strobel's Case for Christ is a good recommendation for anyone who has been slaved in the worst cult churches affiliated with the message of the hour, the churches that call themselves tape only. Those are the churches that have no scriptural teaching whatsoever and typically are filled with people who have no idea what is between the bindings of that shiny leather book that they carry with them. Case for Christ will challenge you, and it will make you want to study the scriptures for yourself and see whether or not Christ is the Son of God. And if you dig deep enough, I can assure you that you will come to the same exact conclusion that Strobel came to. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God, and he's soon to return to take his bride to be with him. One person in the, the support groups recently brought up the subject and quickly recognized the similarities between Lee Strobel and Searching for Vindication. And while I never really stopped to think about it, the similarities are phenomenal, yet in opposite directions. You see, Searching for Vindication were not atheists. They were enslaved by the cult of William Branham. And like me, they believed every single word that was spoon-fed from behind these pulpits without question. But compare this to Strobel's teaching 
and his associates in the atheist crowd. Many atheists use some, I, I say some, recorded history in their attempt to prove that Christ is not the Son of God. Once they find that little shred of evidence against Christ, rather than continuing on to examine all of the evidence, they feel that this little bit of evidence is enough to deny Christ. But searching for vindication was not satisfied with just a little portion of evidence that their prophet was the messenger for this day. They chose to continue on to examine all of the evidence, good or bad. And there are many things that William Branham claimed to have prophesied, from Marilyn Monroe's death to egg-shaped cars to the fourth term of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt to even to the end of the world. Some of the things that Branham claimed to have prophesied seems to have came to pass. Other things like Armageddon are easily found in Scripture for all to see. Of course there will be an end of the world. But when the atheists told Strobel to stop searching for Christ and listen to the little bits and pieces, Strobel continued, when the cult pastors told Searching for Vindication to stop searching and rely on what they do know, the authors of the website did not rest until they had all the facts. William Branham could have had 500 prophecies that came to pass. 500. But if there was one single prophecy that did not come to pass as God had spoken through him, then God did not speak. And if God did not speak, then William Branham was a false prophet. Searching for Vindication chose two well-known events described in the cult that should have had a mountain of evidence to support it. With this evidence, anybody who denied William Branham should have been satisfied in their hearts and minds that Branham was a vindicated prophet. They started with Branham's alleged prophecy that 16 men fell from the Clark Memorial Bridge and the voice of God that spoke through the heavens to announce the Seventh Age Messenger. That voice, remember, was supposed to have been recorded in several newspapers. It was published and printed all the way from Jeffersonville up into Canada, according to William Branham. Should be easy to find, right? And those 16 men that fell from the bridge would be quickly identified. It just so happens that a Coast Guard station kept daily logs to record every single event, big or small, that happened during the construction of the bridge. But here is where the story seems to have turned from what happened with Lee Strobel's case for, case for Christ. Strobel was an atheist and in his journey to investigate the truth, he stumbled into evidence that was solid proof that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Searching for vindication, on the other hand, stumbled onto some evidence that was strongly against their research. While the cult pastors told them that Branham was the vindicated prophet, they suddenly learned that he was not so vindicated. In fact, he was proven to have lied about the entire event. Not just the event described as prophecy when the bridge fell, 
but also the voice of God that spoke through the heavens. The voice of God that was the inspiration for the name of the cult headquarters. It seemed as though there was no voice. And without a voice speaking from the heavens, Branham's entire 1933 commission story is completely invalidated. And with no commission, we have no messenger. Without 16 men falling from the bridge, we have no vindicated prophecy. And with a single failed prophecy, we do not have a vindicated prophet. Instead, we have a false prophet. But even still, searching for vindication did not stop there. Learning from experience, evidence that does not include all of the facts is not evidence at all. <clears throat> so now, searching for vindication is examining the Branham Tabernacle itself. This is the building that seemed to have started it all. The Branham Tabernacle, that scary-looking building that sits on the corner of 8th and Penn Street in Jeffersonville, is the key to the entire cult. It is the cornerstone, so to speak. This building, where so many were supposedly converted to Christ and led down to the, be baptized when the fake commission story was given, this was where 500 converts were supposed to have been led to Christ baptized. And while 10,000 people were standing watching it from the banks of the river. But it's really deeper than that. The Branham Tabernacle is the building where the cult leader, William Branham, was supposed to have secretly hidden the six or the seven prophecies of 1933. 1965, he says this, And God in heaven knows that lays right there in the corner of that tabernacle since 1933 wrote on the page of a Bible laying right there. And even though it's obvious that this is just another fabricated story, the first time that Branham even mentions these prophecies is 1953, almost a hundred sermons into his recorded ministry, not to mention the unrecorded ones. But searching for vindication is not stopping with the failed bridge prophecy, and they're not stopping with the fabricated commission story. They want the facts. We already have a false prophet. But do we even have a single prophecy? That's the question. Was the church really built in 1933? Both Searching for Vindication and Lee Strobel remind me of a story that I like, a story of Hezekiah in the Bible. You see, Hezekiah was only 25 years old when he began to reign as king in Judah. And I'm sure that he faced some strong opposition. They did not have false prophets like William Branham to worship back then, religions that were dedicated toward the worship of something other than God while seemingly associated with God. In the days of Hezekiah, the people worshipped the bronze serpent. Moses had made the serpent, and that serpent brought divine healing. Think of the similarities. The people of Judah gave offerings to it, just like the people of the cult of William Branham pay their offerings to the voice of God recordings. But Hezekiah, though very young, did not listen to the elders 
who opposed him by giving just a small portion of the facts. He stood for truth, and that truth was found in the word of God. Hezekiah tore down the bronze serpent. He tore down the worship of divine healing, just like Searching for Vindication is doing today. I've had several people write into us saying, Why do you continue? Why do you keep focusing on tearing down Branham's fictional ministry when I could leave that and focus on spreading the teachings from the Word of God? And this must have been very similar opposition for Hezekiah. Why don't you leave the serpent there and let us worship it? Just read from the book of the law. It's okay if we worship that snake. Moses put it there. Don't you remember Moses? He's the one that spoke with God. I'm thankful, very thankful, that history has preserved the story of Hezekiah. It's led many people, like searching for vindication, that are tearing down false worship. I'm thankful that the history was preserved so that searching for vindication could help lead others out of this cult and back to Christ. I recently read a summary of the words of Jesus in Matthew 10 as he sent out the twelve apostles. Unlike the English words in the Old English that were written in the King James Version that are so difficult for so many to understand, here is a summary in today's English. Many in the cult are afraid of this sort of thing because they were taught to worship the words as they are in the Bible rather than the meaning behind those words. But the summary is exactly what we would be hearing if we were standing there in front of Jesus Christ as he was speaking directly to the twelve. I thought it would be fitting to end with that summary. And I urge you to review Matthew 10 for yourselves. Be like Lee Strobel in Searching for Vindication. Search these things out personally. This is a personal relationship with Christ. Not some boring history lesson that you learn in grade school. This is your life. This book, the Bible, should be the air that you breathe, your entire world. It's the Word of God, the real voice of God, and it's speaking to you. Here's the summary, and you can find it in the version of the Bible with the name that should be very fitting. It's called, a Bible called, The Message. Here's what it says. Jesus speaking. Don't be naive. Some people will impugn your motives. Others will smear your reputation just because you believe in me. Don't be upset when they haul you before the civil authorities. Without knowing it, they've done you and me a favor, given you a platform for preaching the kingdom news. And don't worry about how, what you'll say and how you'll say it. The right words will be there. The Spirit of your Father will supply the words. I'm crying thinking about this. The Spirit of the Father speaks to us. It continues, The people realize it is the living God that you are presenting and not some idol that makes them feel good. They're going to turn on you even people in your own family. There's a great irony here. Pro proclaiming such love 
experiencing such hate. Think about what we have today. Jesus says, but don't quit. Don't cave in. It's all worth it in the end. It's not success you're after. It's not success you're after, but in times, but survival. He says, be survivors. That's Matthew 10, 16 through 23. In the Bible called The Message. I ask you to read it. God bless you. Thank you.